Welcome, everybody, to a very special supplemental of Textual Tension. Um, this is for episode 16, which I have yet to name. I haven't gotten around that far yet. Um, but we wanted to, if you've listened to episode 16, um, it is a uh, deals with some pretty heavy stuff. And so we wanted to bring in a little bit of an expert. Um, so I'm here with Dr. Talbot, uh, Tony Talbot from the University of Dayton and spe- specifically affiliated with Abolition Ohio. So if you want to go ahead and give a little bit of your background, your expertise, that would be awesome. Great. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for inviting me on. Um, <clears throat> I'm a, I've been here at, at the University of Dayton for about 10 years. Uh, I'm a political scientist by training, very international in orientation. I'm also former military. Oh, awesome. I spent uh, about 14 years in the military, including 10 years active duty in the Navy. Oh, wow. And um, try to sum all that up in just a, in like <laughs> 45 seconds or something. But um When I was in the Navy, I was in Southeast Asia, South Asia, East Asia, Africa, around the Indian Ocean, Western Pacific, and I was a young man. I saw a lot of really terrible things, Mm -hmm. Um, things that I didn't understand really what was going on and why they were happening, uh, but didn't really accept them and realize they were wrong. It really pushed me, uh, along with my, my natural curiosity, to go back to school, go to graduate school, try to figure out what was going on, and eventually led me back here where I'm working on uh, human trafficking issues. I saw a lot of human trafficking internationally. Right. A child trafficking, child prostitution, compelled prostitution, mm-hmm. um, as well as a lot of other issues um, uh, dealing with poverty and inequality and a lot of gender inequality. And then I came back, I was teaching, I became a, a a political scientist doing Asian studies, international politics, teaching all my students about all these terrible things happening all over the world. Mm-hmm. And I hate to admit it wasn't till around 2009 or so that I really woke up to the fact that many of the things I was teaching students about overseas were also occurring here in the U.S., right. here in Ohio, and even here in the Dayton area. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with another faculty member here and some community leaders we found at Abolition Ohio, um, and began getting really engaged in doing um, awareness raising, education, outreach, helping to coordinate victim services and responding to human trafficking across the greater Dayton area and further. Right. Um, so we, uh, the book that we read for this most recent episode that's coming out, um, even as someone who doesn't have a lot of experience with this and quite honestly, my knowledge base is is not very good um, in this particular subject. I Even I was kind of a little taken aback with how this book portrayed the subject of human trafficking. Um, so the what I have here is I have a sort of brief uh, plot synopsis sure. of what happens in the book um, pertaining to that specifically. And then I have a couple questions that I wanted to ask you about. Um, so I was going to go ahead and read uh, the plot synopsis and just kind of get your initial thoughts on it and then get into some questions. Um, so this book is uh, called Last Breath by Jessica Clare. And it tells the story of an early 20s uh, young American woman who is kidnapped from her apartment in Minneapolis. Um, specifically, it's sort of like the movie Taken where they you know burst in the front door, grab her, that whole thing. Um, she's drugged and flown to Russia promised and sold to a creepy American man who wants her quote-unquote broken in. Um, They make a very strong point about that. Um, Taken to Rio, chained to a bed, forced to have several sexual partners every day, um, and then bought by a different American man for about $25,000. 
Um, so that is the initial sort of right off the bat background that you get on the situation that this this girl is uh, is in. And the book actually opens up um, in Rio after her being forced to do these things um, when she meets this American man. Um, and there's a lot more that ends up being much worse with this, or not much worse, but worse with this book as well as far as descriptions of her and things like that. But um, pertaining to human trafficking, is this a realistic picture of how someone would be brought into human trafficking or how human trafficking is done? Yeah, that's a good question. It seems like it's it's a highly sensationalized right. version of it, obviously. Um, a lot of people think of Taken and that whole scenario uh-huh. um, of someone busting down the door. I mean, if we stop, there's a lot of things to analyze about it, um, think about it. Um, but first thing I want to be really clear, things like this happen, but they're very, very rare. Okay. Okay. Almost all victims of human trafficking are initially recruited through via deception. Right. Fraud, lies, uh, predatory, predatory romantic involvement, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, most victims go willingly, at least initially, with their trafficker because they're being manipulated or misled. Right. Okay. Which makes a lot more sense than bursting down doors in broad daylight and right. grabbing people and, and taking them around. Um, there's This is reminiscent of, we can go back 100 years and look at, at the early uh, uh, 1900s, early 20th century, we can see the, uh, the white slave trade and the moral panic of white slavery that occurred back then. Okay. We have very similar elements now where the very real human rights abuse and crime of human trafficking gets overly sensationalized mm-hmm. um, and with a lot of different uh, elements to fit this sort of meta or master narrative right. of a helpless, usually a helpless good girl who somebody from outside, often a foreigner, often someone scary, mm-hmm. someone that fits some type of other category, right. takes her and corrupts her and you know passes her around. So you can see this elements in this book. Where the, the international part mm-hmm. uh, being stole, stolen and taken, right. you know, this whole nefarious underground, like there's mm-hmm. this massive network that, that's going on that's abducting otherwise good girls, quote unquote, right. and corrupting them and turning them into pleasure slaves, uh, you know, around mm-hmm. the world. Um, yeah, I'm sure something like that has happened and does happen, but it's such a tiny tiny drop in the bucket of the overall problem. Right. It's it's interesting that you mentioned the sort of emotional and relationship uh, manipulation that goes mm-hmm. in because, you know, further on in this book, you know, the, the main romantic couple, quote unquote, is this woman and the American that is there to save her, again, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very much that emotional manipulation is what it comes across as. So it's almost like going from something sensational into something that maybe is a little bit more real, at least more right. more common, um, but it's still not great. <laughs> Does the character get rescued throughout in the book? Is there a... Yeah, it's, it's again, it's quote-unquote rescue where she's, it's a little bit Stockholm Syndrome, right. um, where she he's there to kind of save her. But she latches on to him because it's the only, you know, constant mm-hmm. and norm and then ends up falling for him 
or something right. along those lines. You're right. And you made a really good point. That is a lot more of a, a realistic scenario. Mm-hmm. That that trauma bonding or brainwashing, right. Stockholm syndrome, whatever we want to call it, that occurs when you're being victimized, a victim of severe trauma. Right. Right. And if there's only one constant in your life. You're going to latch on. Yep. And even if it, it's the trafficker who's horribly violating and abusing you, mm-hmm. but is also the only person who provides food or water or right. any any even pretend or fake tenderness at mm-hmm. all, any human contact, it's a natural, uh, seems to be a natural psychological impulse to latch onto right. that person. It, yeah, and it's definitely interesting with some of the other books we've read where uh, even spousal abuse and things like that have also mm-hmm. been a constant, and there's definitely similarities, at least, with that whole, they're a constant in your life, they end up taking control, that kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah, there's um, lots of parallels with domestic violence and, and human trafficking and the, form, the manipulation, the, the learned helplessness on the part of the victim or right. the abused spouse, and that whole... Wanting to believe that things are going to get better, right? You know that that un just re, I, I don't want to say ridiculous. That's right. the wrong word, but that hope, mm-hmm. hope against hope, right. that things and, are going to change and things are going to turn out okay in the future. Yeah, it's that manipulation of of that person's hope, essentially. Right. Um, so okay, so that kind of led in. My second question was: Has the situation? Have you heard of it happening? Um, so like you said, it's it's very rare. Right. Um, if it happened, I mean, it, it's happened, but it's much more common for something a little bit more manipulative. Mm-hmm. Um, so is this, in your experience abroad, is this um, something that you know would it be more likely to happen if it happened in the U.S. versus abroad? And what are the differences between sort of human trafficking in the U.S. and abroad since you've we weren't sure sure how much experience you had with abroad but it's wonderful that you well relatively wonderful (laughs) you you get what i'm saying (laughs) none of this is great (laughs) right i i I agree um yeah that's tough sometimes Mm -hmm. uh, to think about it that way but uh, one of the big differences uh, here in the u.s and and internationally uh, with trafficking depending on what you're talking about um okay first off uh human trafficking here in the u.s and in wealthy uh, Western European or East Asian countries uh, looks very similar. Okay. All right. So that's one thing you have to think about. If you got a very high uh, standard of living, a lot of wealth, um, and um, very low levels of, of really extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. So you have similar uh, manipulations. You have uh, people who have substance use disorders, for example, um, who are being th- that the need for that drug is compelling them into situations right. that people are exploiting and taking advantage of. There are people who have vulnerab- a whole wide range of either individual vulnerabilities, like uh, prior victims of abuse, mm-hmm. substance use disorder, um, uh, extreme poverty, et cetera, or sort of structural vulnerabilities that are then exploited by traffickers. Right. So there's a lot of similarities. Um, and in a lot of the wealthier countries, we see a, a pretty even mix of sex trafficking and labor trafficking. Okay. Okay. So people being forced to work. Um, we have that here, even in the Dayton area, with uh, like migrant farm workers being forced to work. Okay. Uh, we had a, a construction, landscaping, uh, nail salons, sort of usually, usually, but not always lower skilled or semi skilled labor right. that's being fulfilled by migrants okay. being forced to work. Same thing in, in Europe internationally. The big difference in trafficking when you're looking internationally, internationally is with the um, when you're looking at less developed countries um, versus more developed countries. Mm-hmm. Then we see a big difference in places mm-hmm. where there is extreme poverty, where there's a very weak rule of law, um, where there's very porous borders, and maybe you'll have a, a poor country, a poorer country, um, surrounded by many very poor countries. Mm-hmm. You'll have 
potentially very violent um, and pervasive rings of traffickers who will go into the neighboring countries or into outlying areas and convince families to sell children to them. Okay. And when you first hear that, you think, how could anybody ever do that? Right, but... But in that actual situation, right, because they're not like, hey, well, here's some of your child so I can take her away and exploit her and abuse her. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not what they please. um, I'll give you some money. If you let your child come with me, she'll get a good opportunity. She'll Mm -hmm. go to the city or she's going to end up in Germany or in the U.S. or Dubai. And she's going to have a great job and get a good education. And with this money, you'll be able to feed your other children who are staying here. Right. So it actually helps the whole family. Mm-hmm. And she'll be able to send money back to you and help support the family. So it's a lot of manipulation once again. Right. It's not, it's seldom the outright abducting. Right. Only in the most extreme places. Uh, parts of Burma or Myanmar, uh, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, mm-hmm. and others where you have armed rebel groups who come in. And will actually abduct, okay. murder people, and then abduct women, children, uh, or men to force them to work or force them into sexual slavery. Right. Okay. So, so that does happen, but it's about the differences in uh, like democratic versus authoritarian countries, levels of development and levels of extreme poverty, and really the rule of law. Mm-hmm. How powerful are the legal constitutions? Are the legal institutions, right. or how weak are they? Okay. Um, so that's yeah. So that, I mean that even reinforces even more so how rare this type of occurrence is, yes. especially in a country like the United States where Correct. this supposedly takes place. Um, so I know that, you know, you mentioned it's a very sensation- sensationalized view, sort of a la taken. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you find that uh, sensationalized uh, media regarding human trafficking uh, maybe has a, like, is harmful or maybe helpful to the populace, so people being able to identify, having any idea what's going on, what the actual realities are. Sure. Um, that's a really good question because, okay, there's a lot of hyperbole and sensationalism around right. human trafficking. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, at least initially, uh, it was very well-intentioned. Um, we think about the, the U.S. federal law and the international law against human trafficking passed in the year 2000. Okay. So we're talking 19 years now of people really sort of... Uh, this movement taking off, mm-hmm. people getting involved and engaged. And really in the last 10 years, we've had a lot more of the general public getting really involved and aware of human trafficking. So sensationalism, this ex- ex- extreme sort of exaggeration of trafficking, was initially undertaken by a lot of well-intentioned advocates to try right. to sh- paint this very clear moral picture mm-hmm to really galvanize support, to get people riled up and up in arms and filled with righteous indignation (laughs) to do something about this. And so it mobilized people. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, you can see where it's sort of, you can say, oh, maybe it's an okay or good thing. The problem is, of course, that if you paint these big pictures, we had the, um, I believe it was the sheriff of Cook County, um, Chicago, Mm Uh, the county of Chicago's in, saying that the Super Bowl was the biggest human trafficking event in the world. Okay, That is such an extreme exaggeration. Right. He was trying to say that there's a lot of human trafficking that takes place here and we need to do something about it. We have to change the right. way, you know, the way things are done mm-hmm. and not accept this anymore. But making a statement like that 
then when we actually look at the arrests and find out, well, 12 people were arrested or three victims were recovered, right. people begin to really doubt that trafficking is taking place at all. Mm -hmm. They think it's all just hyperbole. Right. So that's where the real danger is. Okay. We've been working really hard for the last, especially six or eight years, in um, using good data, good statistics, uh, sort of popping these these sort of ex expanding bubbles mm -hmm. about trafficking, exaggerations, deflating those, getting back to reality and saying, right. okay, it's it's not the, the Super Bowl is not the biggest human trafficking event in the world or in the country. However, major sporting events that attract large amounts of mm -hmm. unaccompanied men see an increase in demand for commercial sex and often human trafficking victims are moved into that area and exploited to meet right. that increased demand. Right. So it's still a problem. It's still an issue. We still have to do something about it. But let's back off of that extreme right. sensationalism. I feel like when someone makes sort of a, an extreme sweeping statement like that, because we're so steeped in this sensationalized, you know, view mm -hmm. of it, it's oh, so I'm going to be walking around the Super Bowl and someone's going to just grab me, and that's sort of where people's right. minds tend to jump. Where it's a lot more subtle than that. It's sure. not something you're probably going to notice. Yeah, um, we're seeing another thing that happens. That we run regular meetings with general public talking about trafficking, and even those folks who are trained in human trafficking and are really sort of steeped in the anti-trafficking movement are still misled sometimes by some of the um, their uh, social media, okay, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, etc. You'll see these um, stories pop up, and it's essentially they're sort of urban legends, right? Where okay, this there was this girl out in Kansas. And she got came out of Walmart really late, and there was mud smeared all over her windshield. Mm. Uh, so she started to drive away and use the windshield wipers, and it just smeared it more. Mm -hmm. So she stopped the car. When she did, this van pulled up and grabbed her and right. snatched her and drove away with her. Or somebody's driving away now. There's a thing about dollar bills being stuck under people's windshield wipers. And so you stop and get out to get the dollar bill, and that's when they snatch you and grab you. Mm -hmm. No cases like that have ever occurred. Hmm. Uh, there was It was going around in the uh, Dayton area on social media. And so we had the detectives who investigate human trafficking from the Dayton police right. just literally stop them. I'm saying, that's not real. And they're like, well, we've heard it, and I, I really trust the people who said it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't think it's real. And the detective's looking at me, he's shaking his head, you know, no. And then he says, okay, hold on a second. Where, where was this? At Beaver Creek at the Fairfield Mall? All right, uh, hang on. And he pulls out his phone calls and calls the Beaver Creek Police Department, right. calls the Greene County Sheriff, makes a whole bunch of calls, asks if any cases like this have been occurring, mm -hmm. comes back in the room five minutes later and says, yeah, no, nothing no, like that has happened. definitely not. It's all just a, the scare tactic. Right. And a lot of times those are spread by well-intentioned people. Right. Thinking, you know, oh, you know, be on the lookout for this. And then right. it just kind of cultivates this idea. That and this it, culture of fear. Right. And it does, and then it's not happening. And so the, besides making people live in fear, which is bad. Right. And scaring them so they just stay home and don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Terrible. Um, it also, when it doesn't actually happen and you don't hear anything about it, then people will start thinking all of human trafficking is right. just made up. Right. And it's it's so it's such like a fine line because we live in an area or, you know, in a world where there's the sum of human knowledge at your fingertips and mm -hmm. most people won't 
take, you know, an extra 20 minutes and do a little bit of extra deep digging and see, has this actually happened? It's more of taking it at face value. Yeah. It's just see, easier. That's a whole different podcast. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> definitely, we're not going to get too far into that one. That's that's more my, on the technology side of things, my, right. uh, my, my cup of tea. Right, but we do tell folks that, well, I teach a human tra- anti-human trafficking class right. on human trafficking advocacy and awareness raising and get students engaged in doing things. Right. Um, one of the things that we teach people to do, the general public and the students, is, um, okay, thinking about labor trafficking, mm-hmm. um, sex trafficking is also involved in this, and uh, how it inf- sort of infiltrates your consumer purchases. Right. Right. So you want to buy a new pair of shoes, mm-hmm. um, and once you understand that there is such a thing as human trafficking and forced labor and labor trafficking, and you're buying this new pair of shoes, and there's a $30 pair of sneakers, and you look and say, mm-hmm. oh, they're made in Bangladesh, or they're made in China. Right. Okay, Stop. Use your phone. Use that source, some, of some human source of, of human knowledge. <laughs> it's in your hand right now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about where the minerals that make up in that phone <laughs> right, come we from. Think too deeply about that one. Right. But look it up. See, mm-hmm. is this ethical? And a lot of times you can just literally Google, "Are Skechers ethical?" And the answer will come back, "No." Okay. Like, and that Good to know. Case. Right. And, um, so you can make that choice, and there are alternatives. Mm-hmm. There's a few apps that help with stuff like that. Okay. None of them are very good yet okay. because it's so difficult right. and supply chains change all the time. Constantly. Right. But there are lists of really ethical companies. And I tell people no one can be, no matter how you try to be, unless you're just going to cover yourself in hemp and go live out in mm-hmm. a hut right. somewhere in the woods, you can't do everything ethically. Right. But you should try. And be cognizant. Make, right. And be cognizant of things. And right. Luxuries. Mm-hmm. Make sure they're fair trade or ethically sourced. Right. You know, things like that. And so there's little things you can do in your life that do make a difference. Okay. Um, don't purchase commercial sex because we know yeah. most. <laughs> that's, that's a big one. <laughs> it's, it is a big one, you know, but there's a, a fraction of, of American men right. and a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of American women mm-hmm. who purchase commercial sex. Um, a very small fraction that purchase it on a regular uh, purchase commercial sex on a regular basis. Um, stop doing that. You're not sure, even if you think it's a uh, you're, the person you're purchasing from, the provider is a, is a consenting adult. Mm-hmm. You don't really know if they are or aren't. Right. They're not going to. You can, can't ask them. Hey, are you a victim of human trafficking? They're not going to say yes. Yeah. Right? And Mm -hmm. don't just come up with this. A lot of people justify it to themselves in their head, um, thinking, well, uh, I say she because most uh, providers are female, Mm -hmm. right? And most uh, victims of human sex trafficking are female. And so, well, she's doing this because she really enjoys sex, or she's doing this to make some extra money. She can make more money doing this than working somewhere else or doing whatever. She's going to use this to go th- make her way through college and not have any student debt. Mm-hmm. She's an infomaniac, and this is a good thing. This is, all, you know, and all these other things. No harm is being done. I'm paying. We're consenting adults. But you don't see what's happening right behind the right. the surface, and you don't look right. because you've justified it in your mind that it's okay. Mm-hmm. And then once you make that purchase, you think you own that person for that half hour or hour. Right. And many things are done to people because of that sense of entitlement and mm-hmm. ownership. We turn someone into an object and you exploit them for your own personal pleasure. Right. It's a fellow human being and that should never, you should never ever happen. You should never be able to rationalize away someone's humanity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oof. This is this is very heavy. But yeah. I'm I'm very, very, very happy that you were able to kind of talk with us about this because sure. I definitely don't have the experience to, to even speak to this. Um so if if someone wants to 
like in your everyday. Obviously, it's not something that you know. So no one's running through a crowd dragging someone after them. Mm-hmm. Things that people maybe can be like like the ethically sourced um, items. Be more cognizant of like sure. what are some warning signs, things like that that might sort of people might be able to keep an eye out for. Sure. Um, there's a few things. Let me. I'll, I'm going to start and finish with the national hotline. Yeah, absolutely. Number. Um, anyone can look up the national human trafficking hotline. Right, and we'll it, put this in our show notes as well, so that oh, we have a paper sort of copy of this too. Oh, excellent. Mm-hmm. It's eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. I know that's wrong, but that's so you remember it. Okay. Right. Eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight, and that's the national hotline. That goes right to to um, DC to the Players Project. Um, it's totally anonymous. It's it's non-law enforcement, non-governmental. They will help get all the information and put help you walk through the what you know and what you don't know, put it together into some type of tip or whatever else. And then the national hotline will report that back to local law enforcement okay. or local service providers, et cetera, in the area. Right. So they'll like call the Montgomery County Sheriff's Department with this tip. Hey, we got a tip on the hotline. Here's all the information. And the local uh, detectives can investigate it, for example. Okay. okay. So what you look for, there, there's two ways to do this. I'm going to give a real brief list of some real red flags, we call them. Right. Which is also very easy to look up. Just use your search right. engine and type in human trafficking red flags. Um, but then I'm also going to talk about the uh, another way to do this, too. But um, the red flags are things like um, someone who is not in control of themselves what I mean by that is there's another person who is controlling their movement, another person who's controlling their money, who's holding their identification, mm-hmm. who's controlling their phone, et cetera. So that person is not um, not able to do things on their own. Uh, people who have signs of uh, injury or illness, especially untreated injury or illness. Uh, people have uh, bruising, signs of restraint. Mm-hmm. Um, we often see types of marks or tattoos, um, for example, on, on the nape of, of the neck or okay. maybe uh, on another part, on, on the, sh- the shoulder blade or somewhere else, usually visible, okay. so um, that maybe has a street name of a pimp or a trafficker, mm-hmm. something along those lines on it. it it's, a, it's literally a sign of branding, a property. Right. for ownership. Any other pimp can grab that that woman and look at her real quick and see whose property she belongs to. Mm-hmm. And plus it's a dehumanizing uh, thing to do to mm-hmm. someone and it really eliminates their, um, externalizes their locus of control, right. takes away their sense of personal uh, efficacy or anything else. So it, it's a really a good means to control people by. Um, we'll see signs of um, psychological impacts of trauma. For example, uh, someone who just, always is downcast, doesn't look anybody in the eye, looks really fearful all the time, especially with law enforcement is around, start asking questions, they get very fearful and mm-hmm. nervous. Um, someone who has, uh, has when you if you can get to talk to them, they really don't know where they are completely, don't know when it is right. completely, don't know any major things that have been occurring uh, in the news or in, mm-hmm. you know, in society because they've been isolated. Or they have a perfect pat. Uh, rehearse story. Mm. So exactly the same thing. We see this with adolescents and children who are being trafficked. Okay. They've told them, this is what you will tell anybody who asks you. Right. So it's exactly the same story every single time. Every time. Which is not real. Right. Either. So there's lots of uh, things like that that you can see. Um, but what I really tell people is, um, especially once you've educated yourself about this a little bit, trust your gut. Mm-hmm. We have 
good instincts. Right. Uh, it's it's part of evolution. I, all the human beings that didn't have good instincts got eaten by <laughs> saber-toothed tigers right. t- tens of thousands of years ago. So the ones that are left have good gut instincts. Mm-hmm. So trust your gut. And if you you see a situation and something's just feeling wrong about it, right? You know, your intuition or your instincts are telling you something's wrong about it. Then you start using your head and stop and think, okay, why? Am I feeling wrong about this? What is wrong with right. the situation? Oh, well, she's pretty young, and she's always with that older guy. Mm-hmm. Hey, and there's usually another guy that's with them, but it's always changing, a different guy all the time. But it's always that older guy and that younger girl, they're together. She looks scared. She, when the other guy's with them, she's always happy. Mm-hmm. and pretend, But as soon as he leaves, she just sinks into herself and is just mm-hmm. really scared around the other guy. Um, there's weird accents. Um, she doesn't speak English. Mm-hmm. He's always talking to her uh, and translating for her. Does everything for her. He always buys everything. He's oh, he even orders her food. Where I'm like a waitress and a or a server in a, a restaurant, and he mm-hmm. he's ordering her food. She comes in this same time every day with him. You know, there's there's no control there. Right. We see signs of bruises. We see other things. Make that list in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, it's not safe. Or advisable to really go up to her and try to talk to right. her and do anything. It might do more harm than good. Exactly. If if someone notices you, like mm-hmm. if her handler or watcher or trafficker notices you, she is going to be punished. In beaten, some way. Right mm-hmm. for that. Um, if you can get her, if she goes into the restroom and then you can go into the restroom, maybe and no one else is in there. You could potentially try something like that. Right. Um, don't try to push anything on her. The right. best thing to do in a situation like that is just say, hey, if you need any help, here's, a, give her the national hotline number on right. a little piece of paper and fold it up. Mm-hmm. Maybe she can put it in her shoe. Right. I've seen stuff on like soap or right. tear away things in bathrooms, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. That sort of thing. Right. Because the odds are that you happen to approach her right when she's really willing to seek help mm-hmm. are really slim. Right. Um, just letting her know that this isn't a good situation and there is help out there and right. you can seek help. Other people do care. That could be just enough to start it on the path to wanting to... Plant the to, seed. Yeah, to change. Right. Um, and then put all that together. If you can get... It depends on who you are, what restrictions you have based on your uh, occupation or profession mm-hmm. and everything else. Uh, if you can safely get information like license plate numbers, right. accents, names. If you could snap a picture without getting caught, mm-hmm. things like that. Get all that together. And then... Call the local police and call the national hotline. Right. Call both. Okay. Um, a larger cities. Ohio is one of the very few states in the whole country where 100% of all law enforcement have had a course on human trafficking. Oh, very. At least cool. a real basic, you right. know, like little one-hour online course, if not nothing else, on how to recognize and respond to trafficking. Mm-hmm. So that's great. That's awesome. But if you're in a small jurisdiction. They're it's not, not going to something they see. That's not something they see, and it's not something they're not going to have a detective who's working on trafficking, they might not get it. They might not believe it. They might not, yeah, whatever. It's just someone who's watched, read too many romance novels. And is like right, or seen Taken on repeat, you, you know? know? <laughs> so also call the national hotline. And the national hotline will take your information, ask you some more questions, put it all together. Then they will contact the nearest, actually, human trafficking detective to okay. that area. Right. So which could help. So maybe this happened in Kettering, but they end up calling Dayton mm-hmm. and talk to the Dayton detective who then contacts the Kettering police and says, 
these are all the signs, this, and that can help potentially with that investigation. Right. For example, um, Kettering's probably not a good example. But you get <laughs> but the idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. Cool. Um, so, last sort of last question um, that I have is: Do you have any additional information or like personal stories or anything like that that you would like to share with our listeners? Just anything else you can think of that you want to get out there? I think for me with uh, sex trafficking, we see like we talked about earlier, it, it's the this exploitation and right. objectification of one human being by another, mm-hmm. right? And it's for someone's own personal pleasure. You're really abusing and exploiting someone else. Right. It's most victims are female and most of the purchasers of commercial sex and most of the traffickers are male. Mm-hmm. This is a, a man's issue. This is a human rights issue. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a woman's issue. It's it's a human issue. Mm-hmm. Men have to get involved in this if we want to really end it right. and stop it. Um, when I go to most of the trainings that I do and I give most of the presentations, there are very, very few men in the audience. Hmm. Okay. It's almost all always women. Right. That's got to change. Right. Like, men have to model good behavior. Men have to speak up and speak out and stand up for what they believe in. Mm-hmm. We have to change the culture of acceptance and toleration right. and tolerance for this. Um, we have to speak to other men and to boys. I think that's really important. And let them know that this is no longer an acceptable form of behavior. It's not a victimless crime. It's something very real that happens. And it's our responsibility to no longer perpetuate this cycle of abuse and exploitation. Right. right. So men need to get off their butts <laughs> and uh, do something about this too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That's 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 something that's very interesting. And we, we tend to take a very, um, I mean, it's two women talking about what's mm-hmm. wrong with romance novels, right? We tend to take a very feminist view on mm-hmm. a lot of these things. And that's that's something that we find in a lot of these books is it's the woman is a victim in a lot of cases. And it's not something that's always portrayed as being a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to identify that these things happening to this woman is not, A, not her fault, and B, you know, something that's not okay is something that it's it's a little bit getting into it it's a little bit sad how prevalent it is um Mm -hmm. and i think bringing attention to it is very important to us especially so i agree all these old movies where it's just she says no and she says no but if you just keep Mm -hmm. going far enough or don't take her to word or just grabbing her and kissing her and she'll just melt into your arms and it'll be okay we we did a crossover episode with another group and they do 70s and 80s romance novels and we did a fabio book and it was quite possibly one of the worst things i've ever read (laughs) it was very bad yeah so it's 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 a little bit sad how prevalent this is and that's hopefully what we're trying to draw attention to so excellent keep up the good work we're we're really trying so well thank you so much for sitting down with me i really appreciate it you're very welcome um if you want to go ahead and give us that hotline number one last time um, the national human trafficking hotline 888-373-7888 awesome very very uh thank you very much um and if you do you have any information for contacting like Appalachian Ohio specifically um, if people want to reach out and get more information or maybe contribute in some way? Sure. Go to Abolition Ohio, all one word, abolitionohio.org, and all of our contact information is there. Awesome. Great. Well, Great. thank you so much again well, for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. So. You're welcome. Awesome.